Welcome to the A to Z Sports Preds Nashcast, aka On Golden Pod. Coming to you live from Smashville. I am your host, Alex Darty with A to Z Sports Nashville, and I'm here with my co-host Chris Link, who is angry at me for that alternative title, I think. Uh, we have a good show for you today. We have a lot to talk about. We're gonna do kind of a wrap-up of 2019. Um, but before we get going, the show is brought to you by Nash House Southern Spoon and Saloon. Make Nash House your pregame and postgame destination for all Preds home games. We're also brought to you by Tennessee Tickets, TennesseeTickets.com. Zero hidden fees, unlike all those other websites. We'll talk a little bit more later on about those two sponsors, but let's go ahead and get the show started. Link on Golden Pod, what do you think? Uh, so I, I was saying just before we got started that maybe it's a really good chance I either haven't heard of it or haven't seen it. <laughs> uh, I have both heard and seen this film. It's okay. been a long time. Yeah. Um, but I, I am, I'm familiar with it enough where I definitely um, felt a little bad when you said it. Um, <laughs> but in a way that made me proud of you, if well, that makes sense. I was just looking for, I'm looking for anything just gold related. And so I just thought of that and I don't know, it, it doesn't even really mean anything. <laughs> In this in in the uh, in this scenario, am I am I Catherine Hepburn? Am I always? Okay, you're always my Catherine Hepburn. Okay, perfect. That sounds good. All right, we got a lot to talk about. Um, we got to recap the Preds since our last show. We're gonna do a best and worst of 2019. Uh, we each have lists uh, ready for that. Uh, but before we do that, we got to talk about the the team on the ice over the over the last couple weeks. There've been six games since our last show. They've gone three, two, and one. That's seven points out of a possible twelve, which is just not really good enough. I mean, in my opinion, that's I think. that's a that's a bubble wild card team on, yep. on a good day. Yep, it really is. And a team that has dug itself a hole. It's a not a playoff team. Um, wins over the Sharks, Rangers, and Islanders, which were very impressive wins. I have to be honest. And then losses to the Sabers, which was a, a bad loss. Well, maybe not as bad of a loss, but I don't think the Sabers are a playoff team. Uh, lost to the Stars, which was a terrible game, uh, and lost to the Senators, which is a bad loss, even though they got to overtime in that game. Just a, a, a bad loss as well. But um, what are your thoughts over the last couple weeks? What have you seen from this team? I've got a couple points, but I want to hear your take first. I mean, you never know what you're going to get from the Predators team and in terms of results, uh, just because of how the systems are run. I, I think the past two weeks have made that very pronounced. They can't always beat teams they should be able to beat. Sometimes they randomly beat teams that they should not be able to be able to go toe to toe with. Uh, you know, everyone after uh, the the New York back to back, we're like, oh, the team has turned a corner. Is this a red herring? Or I'm like, this is the same thing the team's been doing all season long. Well, I do think that they changed up a couple things in that game. They 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 sought more quality over quantity in the offensive zone. That was the only thing, and it worked for like two periods in the Islanders game and one period in the Rangers game. That was it. That's all they changed. Well, but I mean, they just because, I mean, they did that, but I still, I kind of wonder if, if how intentional that was. I think if you, if you look back and analyze the game and look at the stats and everything, you're like, ah, ah, they're doing something different. Well, maybe, Mm -hmm. maybe it's just the nature of those games that led them to appear to do something different. Yeah. Because why would they come out play two games totally differently, and then revert on Thursday to their old style. Yeah. Like, so they played a full week of games, did their normal shot, high, high quantity, low quality, just to st- experiment with, with higher quality shots for two games, and then <laughs> revert after they won those two games. So it, it logically, I, have, I, I struggle to say they changed their system for those two games. I just think 
there was something in the, in the ebb and flow of those games that led to that. Um, for the most part, if you like, when I looked at the, the, those games statistically, I was like, I you know I don't really know if they deserve to win either of those. I mean, one Rene was not very good. Right. I think against the island was it uh, the Rangers the island, game? I'm well, sorry, the Rangers was Soros and the Islanders. Yeah, the Islanders Rene. game with Rene. I mean, he led in three goals on not many shots. I mean, he yeah. was like an eighty percent for save percentage and or something was, like that. And he was still better than. Um, well, I, I mean, who was in that. They, yeah, I mean, well, against the Islanders, everything was going in. Yeah. I mean, you, you look at the, the shot map and the goal map, everything was just clustered right around the net. Like, the Islanders could not protect the front of the net, right. and their goaltender couldn't save anything. And granted, a lot of those goals were really high-danger ones they let in. It was Simeon um, Varlamov and Thomas Grice. Yeah, the they couldn't. They, I mean, they combined for a 667 save percentage. Yeah, it was very ugly. <laughs> and then the, the one against uh, New York, I mean, that was entirely... I mean, you know, the Predators scored five goals. I mean, what? They really scored three. They really scored three, right. Um, which is great, but that was against flow of the game. And Soros had one of his best games of the season. Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, I, so I, I looked at those and I said, there's no doubt in my mind. I, th- I think I said after the game team. that it was his best game of the season, but I, it, I think it's debatable. But I think he did have his most saves in a game. And he was great that game. He was fantastic. Yeah, he he was turned excellent. away, I think, like 11 or 12 high danger shots. Um which he had previously had a problem with this year. So um, really, 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 really good game yeah. for him. Um, but then, like, the game, that's what made the game against Ottawa so such a bummer to watch. Yeah. Because everything kind of came crumbling down. <clears throat> um, but I think it's more, it was more indicative of the who the Predators are as far as identity, which is they just sort of have to fall to pieces, and they have to pull themselves back together, and everyone goes, rah, 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 we're so proud of them for pulling themselves back together. Oh, right, they scraped by a point against the Senators team, yeah. who I think I saw the stat, they had $42 million worth of salary, either on IR or scratched. Oh, not even playing. Yeah, either on IR or scratched. They had $42 million worth right. of salary. Wow. So this is this is not... A like, lot of that's Bobby Ryan, but... <laughs> only, only maybe a quarter of it at most. Okay. Maybe a fifth. <coughs> but so um, I, I don't disagree with anything that you've said. I think uh, this the one one key, you know, we've talked about goaltending. <clears throat> the team still struggles to have quality goaltending every night. It's really baffling that the goalies just haven't managed to dig themselves out of this hole. You know, you keep waiting for it to get better. You have great games from Soros on Monday. And then the Ottawa game, I think, you know, he, he probably played okay, but I, I don't think he was he played good enough for the team to win. Uh, the team only really got a point out of that game because Roman Yossi just scored an unreal goal and had I think he had two goals in that game or one or maybe just one goal. He had two goals in, in New York. Um, <clears throat> but one thing about the offense is, and I think this, is, this goes to what you're saying, I feel like it's a little bit scatterbrained. Like, it, it kind of like... Every now and the, every game, you don't really know exactly where it's going to come from. One night, it might be like a gritty effort from the third line that's going to get it done, and then another night, it's the defense that are jumping up into the play, and then another night, it's the the top six are really dominating and they get a couple goals that way. It but it can be frustrating because you know you really part part of it part of it feels like okay maybe that means they have a lot of depth, but when you don't have the depth every night and when you take like entire periods off. These huge gaps of, of hockey that that are just really bad. I mean, there there are some shifts where you look out there and you're like, this team cannot get out of its own way. Yeah, no, ab- absolutely. I mean, I, I blame a percentage of the goaltending issues on just bad decision-making from the skaters. At all ends of the ice, yeah. At all ends of the ice. 
I mean, I think even against Ottawa, the number, I can remember a couple very distinct, like, two-on-ones that the Predators just gave up to Ottawa. And, you know, what's Soros supposed to do when, you know, he's got Matt Irwin defending a two-on-one? Yeah. Like, you just guess. It's like a it's it's like a shootout or or a penalty kick in soccer. Like you just have to guess, right? And, oh, talent only takes you so far. And we haven't really talked about the stars game because the, um, do, do you want to? That, I actually do because I think that was um, uh, um, if you think about the worst that this team can be, that was everything about it. Uh, bad goaltending, bad special teams. Uh, no offense to speak of, just getting completely overrun in all ends of the ice. Uh, Dallas looked pretty like they were kind of walking through it. Like they didn't even really, they were, they were working hard, but they didn't even really seem like they were struggling to do much. Um, Turnovers everywhere. It it, it was really bad. The the team was extremely, I've been in, I've been in uh, some locker rooms that have been um, upset locker rooms. This was, this one, honestly, it really felt different and it, it felt like, there was a despondency, almost like a, a like an existential crisis in the room where people were looking around and saying, you know, I don't know why we played like that and it was embarrassing and we can't keep doing that. I mean, the word embarrassing and lack of life, the whole idea of lack of life, Forsberg said that a couple times. Um, and then in the and then in the post game, Laviolette said very something very interesting about Colin Blackwell. I don't know if you saw this, but his quote about Colin Blackwell was that he invested a lot in the game, and 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 because I think Blackwell actually played pretty well in that game. I think he was one of the that, that line was actually all right. Uh, <clears throat> so someone asked, uh, I believe it was Brooks Bratton, asked about uh, Colin Blackwell's play, and he said, "Well, he was very invested in the game, and uh, we don't have a lot of that right now." Something along those lines, very much implying that the rest of the team did not invest in the win in any way. Um, that got a lot of attention. I think there were some there were some uh, talk in the media and by fans about what that really meant. And then they followed up with two wins in New York, and people kind of forget about it. But I mean, I think there's something kind of brewing there. It's like, is the team invested? Is our players invested in what Laviolette's doing? And, and that's been a yeah. conversation now for a couple months. Uh, so I mean, the frustrating thing about the Dallas game is if if you look at it's like the game flow charts, you look at a lot of things. The Predators play, performed extremely well. Um, I mean, even some basic things, like 5-on-5, five five, we're looking at, uh, you know, 26 scoring chances for the Predators, only 14 for the Stars, eight high-danger uh, chances for the Predators, only four for the Stars. I it, it, Part of that, I mean, I think that game just shows, like, there's something going on with Pekka. He can't save anything. Pekka is having a uh, bad year. Yeah. And sometimes the, po- the goals just don't come. I mean, we, I, we've been talking about this all year. Lafayette runs an offense that was revolutionary in 2012 or 2010. You know, he's all about generating your own puck luck by volume of chances. If you take 40 chances, 10 of them might be worth something. If you take, you know, so it, rather than going for 20 or 30 really good ones, just just generate stuff, make stuff happen, make, you know, roll the dice as many times as you can and hope you get the right numbers. Yeah. And that what that ha- what happens, and again, people are probably sick of hearing this, is that some nights you barely you can't get a goal no matter what you do. Other nights you get eight. That's what we saw against Ottawa. They just you know not Ottawa, <laughs> the Islanders. Just everything you know mm-hmm. really went in. But of course those were 
extremely good chances because you look at that cluster of it. it's kind of a hilarious yeah. map if it's, you look at the, crazy, the shot yeah. map yeah like um, six of the goals were right there in the slot oh yeah there was nothing and the other two were power play goals nothing the islanders could do to stop the predators uh for some weird reason but that's dallas was just so frustrating so the team is currently in sixth place in the central um just barely i mean ahead of the blackhawks i mean the the, the <laughs> central <laughs> sorry it's just like they're ahead they're they're they're, they're Ahead of the Blackhawks. Oh, boy. Yeah. The, the Blackhawks, who are just not very good and, and probably destined for last place. Um, teams like the Minnesota Wild have caught fire and are now shooting up the, the standings. The Jets are kind of, eh, you know, and, and, and obviously the Stars and Blues and, and Avalanche definitely are at the head of the class. And I, I just the more you look at this, the more it seems like the Predators are, without a doubt, a wild card team at best, right? I mean, they are not in going to compete in the regular season yeah, I, with the Avalanche, Blues, and Stars. I no, I mean they, they have to come out of, uh, they have to take a break, you know, whatever time they have, regroup, and come out with a very different mental approach to the game, and probably also tactical one. Hell, probably yeah. a strategic one as well. Yeah, right. I mean, they just need to refresh themselves and come out, and they need to go on a run. They need a lot of things to go in their favor to really get back into the not wild card mix. Yeah. Uh, and and I think if the Predators either manage to miss the playoffs or go in as a wild card, when you if you chart this, the the performance of seasons, I mean, you're gonna you're gonna see kind of like you know the flat line that's been the Predators' existence with a few blips. You're going to see two giant spikes mm -hmm. for the Stanley Cup run and for the um, President Trophy mm -hmm. year, and then you're just going to see like a tr a, a, the first real drop and, in and, a long time. And for that drop to happen at the beginning of some pretty big contracts with Duchesne, Yossi, possibly others coming up. I mean, it, it's it's well, not a good time to do it. You know, happening in the year you finally get a Winter Classic after all this attention has <laughs> yeah. been poured in Nashville, after ticket prices have ri have just risen and risen and risen, yeah. where you kind of like, mm, I really want to see this Predators game. Do I like? Can I budget for it this month to go to like one game? Right. I mean, that's yeah. I I get the whole demand world of demands, but it's still just. Always a little bit disappointing. I actually talked to a, a long time, a very long time season ticket holder. Actually, a couple of them. Um, I'll give them a shout out on this. Uh, I won't say their names, but they are two very long term season ticket holders. I think one of them has been a season ticket holder since the beginning. Uh, they they work with my my wife at her office, and they are they're you know they they've got the the resources to be able to to afford those, and even they are like, you know, is this how long how long can we keep doing this? Uh, and, and also, you know, it's, it's frustrating to continue to put money into this, um, and, uh, and not get a result on the ice that, that, you know, some sort of payoff. Yeah. But, the fans demand to know when's our CEO night, <laughs> right? Year of the fan. Okay. That's a good, uh, segue to get into our main, uh, our main story because we're going to do a little, uh, countdown of the best and worst of the Preds 2019. Before we get to that, the Preds Nashcast is brought to you by Nash House Southern Spoon and Saloon. Look, if you want a great place to go before Preds games that isn't, you know, overrun by honky tonks and tourists and also happens to have really good food, go to the Nash House. It's on 8th Avenue, the same building as the Cambria Hotel. You can park up to two hours for free. Um, they've got these catfish tacos that are really good. They've got really good barbecue. They've got great, great appetizers. Of course, all your beer and, and liquor and, and wine and all that stuff. Um, go there, hang out before the game. 
Go to the game. Come back afterwards. Nash House Southern Spoon and Saloon on 8th Avenue. Go check it out. Okay, let's talk about the best and the worst of Preds 2019. I would like to start off with the worst because then we can end on a good note. Um, and then before we get into the 5-on-5, five five, um, I think probably one of our worst moments is probably going to be the same. Uh, so I'll start off with it. The the loss to Dallas Stars in six games uh, this past playoffs was was definitely one of the worst moments. I, I don't think you would disagree with that. No, I mean that's that's definitely on my list. It made it was one of the first things that came to my mind. I I was when I was writing it down. I'm like I, I know Alex is going to have this on his yeah, list. Right. Yeah. So so that's definitely the the, the big one, uh, or not the big one, but it's it's one of the the most the easiest one because that that series was just it seemed doomed from the beginning just because of how they were playing going into it. And Dallas was, you know, Dallas didn't even really make a deep run, which tells you a lot about how bad the Predators were in that series. I mean, they, they the Dallas Stars looked amazing against the Predators and then got kind of just wiped with the by the Blues. So that was not, not a good look for the Predators. Yeah, well, I mean, it was a little bit surprising when I think the, the Predators had the prior season, had the Predators trophy run and, and yeah. came out on top. Uh, you know, I wouldn't have almost expected that from the team. They just seemed to, everything seemed to click. Uh, when you compare that to just coming into the following season and getting bounced so easily, you just kind of look at that and say, well, what's what, were, what was the real National Predators? Yeah. Was it the Presence Trophy team or was it the team to get bounced by Dallas? Is it probably somewhere in between? Yeah, but even beating Dallas in the second round is not a huge improvement. I mean, I really say success in the playoffs if you say okay, it's not winning the cup, like what's at what's the next level of success? Mm-hmm. You have to make it to the conference final. Yeah, yeah. That that's Any, a, anything less is is gonna is a disappointment immediately. Being in the final four in the NHL is is a big deal. Yeah, a, I mean, play, every playing year, for no a trophy, yes. any trophy at least is yeah. is at least something you can call as an achievement. Yeah, and and I I you know I've been talking about this for for a, a long time. I don't want to go too long into this, but the, uh, I I still think. Until we get to a point where people are okay and and happy with winning the president's trophy, which is arguably the hardest trophy to win, uh, I, I just think people are not going to be happy with any hockey team in this town because that is a trophy that means something. And you know we've talked about this. It's a lot like the the you know European soccer teams competing for their league title and also the cup title, and it's just it's, I mean it's really, yeah. it's really nonsense. Yeah, we I mean we have the radical opinion that. If you are the best, if you have the best record after eighty-two games, yeah, over that thirty should, teams, that should mean something. <clears throat> yeah, but no one cares outside of like a dozen of us. Yeah, it's very odd. I mean, everyone wants to win the Stanley Cup, which I, I you know, has the history and the air of of amazement, all the legends, yeah. and you know, it's yeah, it's got is not an aura um, about it, and it's got a lot of assigned meaning. But like, I I, I bet if you just took like put every NHL team on a piece of paper, threw into a hat, drew it, had a playoff bracket, and just did it that way. I mean, that's that's really very little. That's very—it doesn't make a difference. I mean, take uh, any—again, I don't want to go too far into this, but take any team that doesn't make the playoffs and just randomly put them in a playoff game, they could win. Yeah, I mean— Absolutely. Yeah, a team could get hot at the right time, and they could— you know, have a deep playoff run, even if they wouldn't have made the playoffs normally. And that's 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 true for any tournament system. Yeah, absolutely. anyone can go in a run and do really, really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so okay, um, <laughs> so the Stars' loss uh, was one of the worst moments. What was your uh, what was your next worst moment 
uh, for the Predators. It, yeah. We're not going in order here. This isn't a ranking. It's just like yeah. you know your second of the of the three worst moments. So this one's a little fresh. Uh, so this is this is kind of modern stuff, but there's a lot of history here, and that's uh, predator the predators and and media relations. So this is moving off the ice. Um, I've kind of long had a contentious relationship with the predators media teams. Um, you know, I started writing about the predators in mid 2010. That's when I launched my like original Predators in, in almost ten years now. Yeah, site called it was called Puck and Punk. It was I did I did music reviews and I covered the Predators. It was just <laughs> like I want to do both and I didn't want two websites because it seems stupid. Um, I had a very weird split audience. Uh, but part of the motivation behind that was that the coverage of the Predators. I thought there were some good writers, but the coverage was kind of bland. Like, I don't want to say it was bad, because it was a lot of bloggers, a lot of people who weren't professional writers, because they just wanted to do it, and there was no one covering on the media side, except for, I think you had, like, Jim Jim Diamond was probably, you know, writing, um, and I don't even know who was with the Tennessean at that point. But there weren't a lot, there was only- Josh Cooper, maybe? No, this was well before Josh Cooper. Oh, okay, all right. Um, At least I think it was. But, I mean, it just, the coverage was just- John Glennon? It may have been John Glennon. Anyways, go ahead. Um was just like everything was positive everything was fawning it was everything was just i'm a fan first and i'm gonna say nice things and that was just the culture um and i learned why it's because if you don't say nice things you lose any sense of access to the team right could be press credentials it could even be when people start getting locker room interviews like you were behold like if you did not present the team in the way in, in in a way that the front office liked you could be gone within hours and I said, I am not like, I don't care about that. I don't care about access. I just want to be critical of the team because no one else is. Um, and that was 10 years ago that I said that. <laughs> and then this past week, you know, we got the news that Chris Martell, who I've worked with for years, I mean, he and I, and, and then Dan Bradley started the Predcast, uh, you know, and they recruited me out of my blog to do that. Uh, and like he got fired from Fox Sports Tennessee and you know I can't put words in his mouth I can only make assumptions I, I can't imagine the Predators didn't have a hand in that so uh, I, I can I mean he talked about this on so Chris and I do uh, a show the neutral zone on uh, Wednesdays at 9 at on 104.5 he, I only recently started being a, a permanent host on that um, I, I've listened to it for a while now and uh, he talked about it. If if you have some time, go listen to that episode from this past Wednesday, um, where he talks about literally what what happened. Um, and I think he's pretty honest about it. I mean, he he's always honest, but I think he now really was able to to say exactly kind of what happened. He didn't he didn't name names. He didn't talk about specific people. He didn't talk about. And so I'm not going to do that either. But. I think there's no doubt in anyone's mind that the the predators were behind that in some yeah. form or fashion. And, and, you know, in his his in what he wrote, it, from what I can recall, wasn't even negative. He was just he was just bewildered, like a lot of us. Or it, I, me, I'm also shocked that Ellis got no supplementary discipline. Yeah, for that his was hit. A pretty shocking. I mean, yeah. he launched. He was off his feet. He his made elbow, contact with the head. He brought his elbow. Everything out. that says there should be a suspension happened and there was nothing so i mean calling that out is not like the let's like that's on the nhl that's not on the predators 
<clears throat> like that right. that's not even a criticism exactly, of the yeah. team. I think I think from their perspective they would say something like, Well, if you if you make it uh, if you expose it more, maybe there's more likely to be a suspension yeah. and, and they're trying to defend well, their player and it it's it's nonsense because they are so concerned whenever, you know they certainly didn't say anything when we were calling for Robert Bartuzzo's head. I mean, and I mean, Arvison still isn't playing. He's skating right. now. But right. Bartuzzo served his suspension. And everyone's like, oh, look, the guy who keeps trying to, like, sever people's spines is back in the ice. Right. Uh, but then after that, people got upset. Um, you know, one guy, a lot of listeners may be familiar with, his, his Twitter handle is Stats Respector. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I know him as as James. Yeah, James. With, um, and he 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 was a writer with the Predatorial, which was Chris Predatorial. Martell's. Yeah, like, I mean, Martell he's, and him are, are pretty close. He's been involved in doing some writing for the Predators as long or or nearly as long as I have. So he, we've always kind of been yeah. in the same circles. He's been around a while, uh, and he's been the only person, and maybe more, probably more so than me, who's been like critical of the team over the years. I mean, he, that's why I always kind of respected him. Uh, in a lot of ways, because he was never afraid to criticize the team. Now, granted, he's never like me. He's never aspired to get press credentials. He's never tried to get in the locker room because and he, he does. By the way, just to plug him a little bit, I mean he he puts together some of the most the, some of the smartest takes in terms of if you like advanced stats, if you want to get interested in that, uh, he is an an instant follow. You yeah. have to follow him because because he really breaks it down very well. Um, I think I think he's got some of the the, the the best takes in that world out there. So he's not just a, he's not a rabble rouser. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's I mean, not, oh, I mean, he's he, not a, he's not an angry voice. He's just a guy who calls what he sees on the ice and, and uses numbers and stats to back it up. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he dabbles in, in the classic weird Twitter world a little bit. He'll, he'll do some of the, some real dumb tweets. I mean, dumb amusing, <laughs> but I don't, not, not like dumb person, but just dumb amusing. Uh, oh, but okay, I mean, he got, got yeah. yeah, but he got blocked by the predators this week. And like literally, like the thread that he posted was just him sharing his opinion. It was very honest. Yeah. I totally agree. I mean, I retweeted said I like actually love what mm-hmm. James said here. I endorse it. Um, of course, the predators didn't block me, and I even like kind of later, like basically challenged them. It's like you know, you 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 blocked. Like I endorse this message entirely. Why am I not blocked? Like, I I have a feeling that the the blocking of him was. An afterthought for them. Yeah. They, it, they are they're an organization that wants good press coverage, obviously, but they are also an organization that doesn't have really any sense of bigger picture in terms of what are people actually saying. And also, I th- I do think this. I think that they also do understand, and I and this and this part I would agree with them. That I think they do understand that the Twitter the Twitter timeline is not their entire fan base, and this is true in in a lot of in a lot of worlds. I mean, they, they understand that. Yeah. At the same time, though, why why ostracize your Twitter followers as well? But, I mean, but this <laughs> is, but all of this is so normal for the predators. Um, you know, very on both brand. of us have had other people who have done predators blogging and writing tell us stories about them. You know, trying to like uh, there was one guy. Won't again, I won't name names. Uh, who there was a group who were trying to get him credentials to be at least a backup or something, um, but because. Basically, the quality of analysis in his breakdowns were too good. The Predators didn't want him there because sometimes he was critical. Yeah. Like, he wrote too many in-depth, critical breakdowns of the National Predators, and they denied him any coverage right. or any credentialing, rather, because of that. I mean, it, this is this is 
like people were were shocked and angry and stuff when this happened to to James and, and to Martell this week. But this has been going on for well over a decade. Mm-hmm. This is this is who the Predators media relations and front office are. Um, and this is why I, I, I'm typically disappointed with them and angry with how they, how they handle things. I mean, it was true of the Ribeiro situation, and it's been true of so many things, anything that's remotely a controversy. Um, I mean, they just want to be like the shining face of like Walt Disney. They want like everyone to look at them and see how wonderful and childlike they are. And they don't want anyone to look behind the curtain and see any of, of the sausage making. Yeah, and so my, my problem with this is it, it, there there are people who would, who will defend the predators in that respect because they say, well, that's their prerogative. They can do that. They they are they are trying to. Of course, they're not going to allow someone to be employed, pseudo employed, uh, because Fox Sports sort of is, is not really a. It's like a, a sub a sub. What's it called? A uh, sub rights holder of, of of kind of the predators coverage. Uh, but the Predators still control kind of what Fox Sports does. Um, some people would say, well, okay, if, the, if, if that's, their, that's their arm, that's their sort of media arm, of course, they're going to let, they, they want to be able to control whatever that says. Here's my problem with that. You have got to be honest to your audience and respect them enough to say, we're okay with a critical voice. And, and let's be honest. Chris Martel is not uh, like a constant bashing of the team. Like he no. doesn't do that. I mean, there no. there are way worse voices out there that they could be that that they could have on 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 hand. There. I mean, Chris is excellent with like fan engagement. He's a very uh, he's he's very loud, obviously, but but not just not just vocally. He's he's a very like kind of just an energetic uh, guy, yeah. and I think that works. So so I guess my my problem is. And I, I'm not, I'm not going to talk about politics here, but if you think about if you think about Fox News and CNN, even they are like, okay, we've got to get someone from the other side of the aisle on regularly. Even if even if you know the person is a stooge, they realize their audience is smart enough to say, you know what, maybe we should hear the other side. You can't say to your audience, we only want positive voices, and that's all we want because. Then you have situations like what's happening on the the Preds broadcast every night, where the team is losing four to one, and the the play by play person is saying, "Well, they're just working really hard out there." Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I mean, ultimately, and I want to make sure that this is this is pretty clear. I'm, you know, not a lot of the people doing their day jobs, not the players in the ice, but the Predators front office, including President and Everett GM, etc. They don't really care about you. They really don't. Until the day you stop buying merchandise and stop buying tickets, yeah. they they really don't care. Especially when they can do things like CEO night and have a bunch of CEOs in a in a box, um, <laughs> and find ways to raise ticket prices. I mean, they are a business. They have a board that sets priorities. They yeah. care about that. Like the board, they is is their number one priority. I don't know. The, the fans are probably somewhere in the top five. But don't you think that they would, if, if, if they care about profits, don't you think that they would have some um, marketing person that's telling them you can't only have positive coverage all the time 100%? So, so there's two problems with, with uh, sports, professional sports employment, and it's worse with the NHL than really any other majors, in my opinion. Uh, and that's that if you want to work in sports, you need a huge history in sports. You need to have 
played at a high level or something. Right. So you have to kind of already be in the club. Yeah, right. You also have to be willing to take a hit financially. Like you don't, most people do not go into a sports team and, and see like a salary raise if they weren't in sports prior. Like okay. someone who is a director of marketing for the National Predators, I, you know, I'm gonna, this is, this is something I could easily be proved wrong on. And if you have the information, bring it. Um, but I would have to say like a manager or director of marketing for an NHL team probably on average makes less money than 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 a manager director of, of marketing for any other I company. I think there's no doubt about that, um, yeah. I mean, I, I even went to a work in sports thing years ago that the Predators put on, and they even said, it's like, you know, if you're coming in here to make money, it's not what you, you know, you want to be here for the love of the game and the love of the sport, and, and uh, you know, you're not going to make as much money, and if you uh, work in sports, that you have to, like, once you're in the door, you're good to go, and if you leave, it's hard to come back, but you can't, like, start in another area and then transition over. I mean, it really, like, they don't always get the best of the best. They get the best of the people who can, who, who want to work for a pro team right. more than they care about anything else. Yeah. So you don't always get the absolute best people when it comes to some of the, some roles. Um, I think there's other things like finance and other areas where you get very, very capable people who are just looking for a job. Because I don't know how much like you know your your CPA team really needs to be passionate hockey fans. You just need good CPAs, and so you have to pay, and, and you have to oh, pay for a good CPA. CPA accountants. <laughs> yeah, sorry. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, but other things, especially like more media roles, like it gets so, it gets tricky. I, I want to, I, and I, I'm not trying to skip over your point there. I do want to get us back on on track. Mm. There's, there's worst moments, but and, and and that is a. I mean, it it is recent, but. It obviously becomes very quickly one of the worst moments because uh, we both like Chris Martell a lot. Uh, I was very sad to see uh, what happened to him, and but here the the bright side is I I do think he is going to, um, so he he's obviously still at, at, at with the neutral zone. I think he's still going to be around at games uh, via that credential, and that's great. And I, I think that. That that means that the predators have created an even more honest and a even more, um, I, I guess, an, an even an even more ready to ready to point out what he sees exactly on the ice and off the ice, uh, Chris Martell than they would have had otherwise. And I think that's kind of almost poetic that they've kind of they've they've now uh, they've they've gone down a road and uh, they better be ready to to accept it. So okay, so my uh, my other worst moments. Um, they're they're not really related, but the, the entire month of November this year was was just bad. I mean, they they were they were an awful team in the month of November. Um, you had the six game losing streak, but in that also, and I'm kind of combining my two worst moments here. The, these other worst moments uh, were some just just some baffling decisions from Peter Laviolette, and 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 this is just becoming a theme. Uh, the the Kyle Turris thing still sticks out of my mind as one of the most confusing. Uh, outlandish, nonsensical pro uh, issues I've ever seen with uh, a, a coaching a coaching decision. There is literally no reason that they should take out uh, one of the better offensive producers to that point in the season out of the lineup for seven games, I think it was, for no reason, and bring up players that really had no reason being here. Matthew Olivier had no reason to take his spot in the lineup. Um for it to happen at the same time that Victor Arvidsson goes down and then for them to not put Kyle Turris back in the lineup after that happens. 
and then for them to just now be totally okay with him is it it is so confusing it doesn't make any sense uh i have no explanation for it it was a terrible moment it's a terrible look yeah none of it makes much sense unless there's something there was something going on between the player and the coach um there is without a doubt uh or it should be no doubt that that daniel carr is not an NHL caliber I, player. I forgot. He's a very Carr. good hockey player. I think he could. I mean, I, I he's one of the guys I wish would just say, you know what? I need to like secure my future. NHL is really not going to work out for me. I'm going to take a few years, play in Europe, make some money, bank it, set like try just, and figure out from there. Just be which a is career, hard. I know that it's very guy. very hard to do. Well, career HL is really limiting you financially. If That's you go true. play in Sweden, Finland, uh, Germany. There? Even if you want to try Russia, I mean that's a, that's always a dice roll. It depends on who wants to have you. Um, those pay more, you think, than AHL? Yes, oh, typically. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, because those are the top leagues in those countries. Yeah, that's uh, right. Yeah, you're right. You know, and, and and the way it goes is is if you want to make the AHL or sorry, if you want to make the NHL, you need to be in America. Yeah. You need to be playing for an AHL team. You need to be you know working with NHL players, etc. But if you're an AHL caliber player and you're kind of stuck there, you're kind of limiting your income. Because if you're like an elite AHL player, but you can't play in the NHL, what, like, you, you, they're not going to keep paying you more and more. If, if you demand enough money, they're going to be like, we're an AHL team. We can't afford that. Yeah. Because um, you know, so, then you're limiting yourself to the handful of AHL teams that do a lot of um they go out and they actually pursue high quality players there's only a couple that do it um i'm trying to remember the list of them uh the in, in the team in chicago the the, uh, the, wolves? the wolves yeah uh the wolves for a long time were that because they were basically a protest team against how the blackhawks were being run and so <laughs> they would they had a history of being very independent and, and recruiting high quality ahl players so they could be successful in the ahl uh the hershey bears another team um, one of the oldest hockey teams in the world, well, in the world, um, definitely in North America. Um, so anyway, they've that, also done the same thing, the, but there's more money to be had in Europe because you're okay. going to be playing for a top tier team. So th- those were my worst moments. Uh, the, the series lost to Dallas the entire month of November and, uh, just Peter Laviolette's yeah. decisions here released lately have just been uh, just nonsense. Yeah. I think even the, even the, uh, the lineup shuffling is just getting completely out of control, um, I think continuing to now. I think Jakob Trenin and and Colin Blackwell actually have looked pretty good. Uh, but yeah, going with Daniel Carr over guys like Kyle Turris has just been baffling. Yeah, it makes no sense. Yeah, and and um, some of the decisions there. So so that, that those are my worst moments. Did you have another one? I do, but I want to whinge about Daniel Carr more. No, okay, no, <laughs> I, I I can I can go on all day about that. So um, so yeah, I've got one more, and then. When I when we talk about this, I also want to immediately talk about one of my best moments. So this, these are related. Let's let's do um, that. You give your last worst moment, and then you give yeah. your first best one. So my my last worst moment is the PK Subban trade. Mm. Now my first best moment I want to talk about is the Matt Duchesne acquisition. Because <laughs> um, in our you know we, we, there's two schools of thought on this. Like one is that essentially the Predators swapped Duchesne for Subban, and we should evaluate the decision that way. There's another school that says. They were two totally different transactions. You shouldn't you shouldn't match them up at all, etc. Um, I don't think either school is wrong. I think it's an opinion because um, if you look at it as two totally separate instances, it's a it was a terrible trade. I mean, it, it, 
they were basically just trading cash. Mm-hmm. That was, that's really what that was. They traded cash for for a bunch like a box that says lost and found, you know. And then they dumped all the all that stuff in the AHL, and they put the the draft picks in a little you know jar and put that on a shelf somewhere. Um, it's not how a local hero normally gets moved out. It was yeah. it was it was kind of unceremonious. It was a surprise. It was as it was not even the inverse of when. Weber was traded for Subban. I mean, I still remember when that happened. I was in an uh, airport in Washington, D.C., getting ready to fly back to Nashville when I saw that news. And I literally just in the middle of the crowded airport, and I'm a very like reserved person. I just stood up, and I was just like, oh, there's no <laughs> like I was just yeah. And people were looking at me. And then like a few minutes later, there was some other like people started looking at their phones, and they, they got it because there were other Predators fans getting ready to go back to Nashville. And it was just surreal. The Zubin thing was shocking, but you're just sort of like, that's Poil for you. Yeah, we, we knew there was going to be a trade. Um, we had theories on whether it was going to be, you know, Kyle Turris or Ryan Ellis or maybe Nick Benino was thrown out there. That, and then for it, but the, the one that made the most sense was Subban because of the contract size. Yeah. But I mean, where, this, where, the, where if I want to link it and we look at the other perspective where it's yeah. basically a trade, I mean, from everything I've heard, Matt Duchesne, his number one destination, was going to be Nashville. Yeah. It's where he wanted to be. He was willing to take less money to come to Nashville, not because there's no, you know, tax on, on you know, income or whatever. <laughs> he wants to be in Nashville. And he said, let's, let's get a term and let's get a dollar amount and let's figure it out. So I think, I know there's rules against this, but, you know, the NHL doesn't always enforce these. Yeah. You know, Poyle knew he needed to clear X amount of salary in order to sign Duchesne for the amount he was going to sign for. Right. Now, of course, at this point, of course, Poyle had not talked to Duchesne's people at all because would, that would be against the rules. I was standing there when people asked him about that. It was the funniest thing in the world because someone said something like, uh, or I don't maybe he brought this up, but he was like, I have not met Matt Duchesne. I have not talked to Matt Duchesne. I mean, and everyone in the room is like, oh, wait, wait, wait. wait. <laughs> I have I I have no doubt that he had never met or talked to him. Right, right. He yeah. definitely met and talked to his agents. Yeah, right. Uh, so they're like, okay, we got to trade PK Subban. We got to got to find someone who's going to clear out all the salary. Let's just go around and find out who's going to take that. Um, and teams probably knew. Teams probably knew that that Duchesne was going to go to Nashville. Mm-hmm. The GMs talked. There's only thirty one of them. 31 total, yeah. Yeah, th- sorry, 31 is such a weird number to say. It is weird, yeah. It was 30 other GMs. We just need to get Seattle here, so we um, make it 32 and be done with yeah, it. Yeah, be easier. Uh, and it was never not going to happen. And so teams were like, well, we don't have to give Nashville crap. So eventually you find a team of the Devils who are willing to to say, okay, yeah, well, you know, we, we think we're a piece away from being an elite team. You know, yeah. get someone for Taylor Hall to play with. I mean, <laughs> we'll see how that worked out. <laughs> um, and it, they made it work. Um, so I mean that's a really huge moment that whole sequence of events, uh, and I think one of the one of the really exciting events because yeah. you know there's a little bit of pride still and a little bit of scrappiness for Predators fans about saying someone wants to be here we can sign big free agent names yeah because doesn't happen a lot and I think I think that that's uh I, it's obviously one of the biggest moments and actually that is one of my best best moments of the year is is uh, signing Matt Duchesne I think time will tell whether it's going to be like a truly best moment. I mean, Matt Duchesne's been been fine so far. He's not played well over the last couple weeks, I think. 
he certainly started hot, and he's been cold recently. Um, I'm pretty confident that he's still going to finish with north of 60 points. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt about that, in my mind at least. Um, but... It, so that is, uh, I'll start with that one because that, that, that is my best moment. And you've already kind of covered a lot of it, so I'm not going to go too far. But I do want to add this. It's a big moment to me because, number one, yes, Matt Duchesne's a great player. Having what you just said about them getting uh, a high-profile player to come sign as a free agent in town is a big deal. But I think also it shows this. It shows that, that David Poyle, he finally got something big that he wanted. Uh, that has, it's happened before that he's wanted something and not gotten it. I mean, we know Ryan Suter, the Jimmy Vesey thing. He's talked, there were other players like Paul Stastny a long time ago. Remember that? Uh, and now we get to see if David Poyle finally getting what he wants is good enough. So we get to see if this doesn't work. Does this open the door for, I mean, we already know he's, he's going to be retiring soon. I mean, like it's, it's only a matter of time, but is, will he be willing to say, I made my best effort, I tried to get exactly what I wanted, what I thought would win us a cup, and let's say that it doesn't work out and they don't win a cup with Matt Duchesne, he says, you know what, I, I didn't do good enough, and now it's time for someone else to take over. Is that is that going to, can, can he, because I think he's a very honest man, I think he's honest with himself, can he really look in the mirror and say, I just need to do, I just need to get one more thing that I want, because I, this time I know it's going to be X player, if I bring him in, that'll be the missing piece. So maybe, maybe I'm thinking about this too idealistically, but I, I think that it's a, it's a big moment because the, the, the team, it's a, it's a hinge moment. I think it's a, it's a yeah. moment where we could look back and say, that was a moment where David Poyle finally got what he wanted and it worked, or it didn't work. I, I mean, I, I think that it's a really interesting perspective, and I don't, dis, I don't think I disagree with any part of it. The issue that Poyle's going to have is is his decisions for player movement and acquisition have to be filtered through Peter Laviolette and his coaching staff. Yeah. And I do not think they are up to the task, which is disappointing because, I said this a while ago, I, I still think this is the most talent the Predators have ever had in their history. This should be the best Predators team we've ever seen. They have better centers. They have better wingers. Um, I mean, the defense isn't the same iron curtain that it has always been, but <laughs> most teams don't have the good iron curtain. I mean, iron wall, steel wall. I mean, whatever you want to say. <laughs> I mean, I, it's a metaphor. Um, <laughs> I mean, Yossi, Ekholm, Ellis. Most teams don't have three defensemen that good. Yeah, no, absolutely. So so what excuses? Yeah. Like, okay, great. Yeah. Well, you know, most, why, do, why do they keep making Matt Irwin play games? Most teams I don't mean, have a fringe Hall of Fame goalie, you know? Yeah, I, I mean, there's there's so much stacked in the Predators' favor when you look at it on paper, and in execution, it's not working. And, you know, I, I think if we judge Poyle based on the outcomes on the ice, it's going to be, is his loyalty to his coaching staff over the years like his biggest yeah. downfall. I mean, he's he's demonstrated that he's willing to pull the trigger and make significant moves with on-ice personnel yeah. to make differences, but he's not willing to I, abandon coaches. I do think it's interesting that we're, we're having this conversation a couple years. What was that? Was that last year? That whole thing where it was like, David Poyle is the winningest GM. He has the most wins as a GM. Like, I, just thinking back to that more the more I think about that, like how cringe cringeworthy that is. Like, 
why why are we applying wins to the management? Why <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Well, also, I mean, has anyone been a GM as consecutively as long yeah, as he has? And, and in addition to the idea that like it's literally just a volume thing. It, yeah. it, I mean, yeah, a lot of times it is because you can have the most wins and have a losing record technically if you go long enough. Yeah, I mean, does he have the most losses too? Probably does. I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can't um, imagine. Anyway, that's kind of a separate yeah. conversation. But uh, yes, exactly. So. Um, signing Matt Duchesne was the uh, abyss, a top three moment for me, uh, for the Predators. Um, my second one and my third one's kind of uh, a different direction, but my, my second one is, is actually, um, the 2019 draft class so far. Uh, I don't know if you paid attention to this, but, um, Igor Afanasiev, um, for the Windsor Spitfires and Phil Tomasino of, uh, the Niagara Ice Dogs are absolutely tearing it up. And I don't want to, we don't have to go too far into like prospects and everything. We don't, I don't... We don't have to dive into, you know, <laughs> skill sets and all that stuff. But I think here's what I think that there it is really, really good that the Predators finally have two good offensive prospects playing in North America right now because of what you and, and you mentioned this a little bit ago is that like you've got to get to North America. You've got to play in this system. You've got to play on this ice, ice size. You've got to play in uh, in the speed of the North American game. And then make it to the NHL that way. They have two guys doing that right now at a better rate than than they've I think they've ever had. I mean I don't think they've ever had a guy like uh, Afanasiev who's like just he had a couple goals the other night or a goal and an assist the other night and ten shots in the game. Um, and I know the OHL is there's a lot of scoring in the OHL. It's not like you know it's it's not the NHL. It's not even the AHL. But and then Tomasino has a really good two way game. I mean. It's really good. That's a really good... Uh, so far, the 2019 draft class, just with those two guys, looks excellent. Yeah, I mean, and in general, the Predators have kind of need to restock uh, yeah. when it comes to prospects. You know, they, they've had enough success where the prospect pool is getting really thin. We've seen what that's done to other really successful teams Yeah, um, when you start running out. So it's encouraging to see early returns. Um, and we're just... We're actually, you know, we're starting to see... Some of the earlier classes, like 2015 and and, and uh, the 20 like 15 classes, start developing, and and we're starting to see like guys like Rem Picklick show that they've got mm-hmm. real talent to come up. Yeah. Um, you know, when we get to 2017, 18, 19, I mean, it, you know, we're seeing some progression there, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's good to see some some interest and some dynamic talents yeah. and things. So yeah, encouraging for the future. That's, that's, that's really good. Um, and my final best wor- uh, moment before, and then I'll, then we'll get to yours is the, the news about the, um, the landmark proposal between the, the Bridgestone arena agreement and the city of Nashville that happened back in May. Uh, so just to rewind a little bit, the, the predators basically made a 30 new 30 year lease with Bridgestone arena, but part of that was to completely cut themselves off from city taxpayers. Uh, this is a great deal for the city of Nashville and for the taxpayers of Nashville, of which I am, and if you are, and, and which you are, I think, right? We're in. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> Just <trying to> remember. <laughs> yeah, we are. Uh, and so, I, I definitely don't want to get into all the the the, the details of the entire of the entire. Um, Yes, let, yeah, let's not. Yeah, but I, I think it was pretty important because it did two things. It, it saves the city of Nashville a lot of money, and it says to me that the Predators are willing to be very independent about the way that they proceed in their sort of life in Nashville, that they're they're not going to just continually hold the city of Nashville uh, hostage for a new 
a new arena, for example. And, and part of this, it mean, they're going to put like $350 million in renovations into the Bridgestone Arena over the next 20 years. None of that is coming from the Nashville taxpayer, which is excellent. Um, all of it's coming from the Nashville Predators fans who pay tickets and and merchandise and food. But um, Boy, I hope the performance of the team doesn't drop, so that's at risk. <laughs> that is true. Uh, but, you know, at the very least, you're not going to drain the, the city of Nashville uh, for, for all this stuff. Yeah, that's is, what, that's what Nashville SC is for. <laughs> yes, exactly. And there's going to be a new press box, which is great because uh, the press box is terrible, and yeah. that's just that's something. Fun Sorry, for me. I, I can just like hear someone listening to being like, "No, it's not paid by tax." By it, it is. Yeah, it is. Okay. I mean, it's like the deal for the team to pay back based on taxes is like such Nash- a normal way to bury. Talking about the soccer club. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Like <laughs> that's such a typical arrangement, and it, it's a it it might happen, but it never does. Okay. So, uh, what are your your other best moments um so this is a, this is a small one this next one but i do think it's it's a big one which is the winter classic announcement yeah i mean how is that i mean how is that not so cool that's yeah as much as people are like oh another outdoor game yeah but this time it's 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 the, like the local boys you know they're gonna get to go to dallas they're gonna get to play in a big stadium it's gonna be outside they're gonna be wearing some goofy looking uniforms against another team wearing some slightly better looking goofy uniforms <laughs> And there's gonna be some a bad musical performance, and we're probably gonna love it. Yeah, uh, that's a good one. Yeah, Definitely I just a think it's moment. exciting. I mean, you know, Preds fans have been asking for this for a long time. When's our turn? When's our turn? And and uh, it, it's gonna happen in just a few weeks. So I think it's really, really exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, definitely. I'm looking forward to that. I'm going down, and I'll be there. Uh, so the oh, you get to oh, that's awesome. I'll, I'll be there. Yeah. Um, so the last one is is kind of interesting. To me, at least. I mean, that's why I wrote it down, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's the really over the last couple of years, the fans have started demanding more of of the team on ice. I think that there's been a um, kind of a I don't know, it's an evo- a, a kind of a rapid evolution in the fans where they want to see more from the team. I mean, success breeds that, and that's a big reason. But there's there's no longer the sense of you know, we're just happy to be here. We want to go to a game and see him try to eke out wins. I mean, there is, uh, you know, people in the stands are willing to boo the team when they're garbage. And there's people I know who are like, you never boo the team. Never. Well, how else? You know, yeah. the fans are part of the process. Mm-hmm. Um, they need to encourage the team and let the team know when 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 it's not acceptable. Um, I am of the mind, and, and there's research to support this, that's, you know, sports and a sports team and that sort of environment, that culture, is similar to belonging to a religion or a particular social group. I mean, there's a sense of belonging. There's a sense of unity. And uh, there's different ways that can manifest. And for a long time, it was just like, you know, we're glad to be here. And, um, you know, as long as they're playing hockey and they're reasonably successful, like, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's changed, and I think it's a positive change. Even if it involves booing, I think it's a positive uh, thing. Uh, so it, it really is kind of a shout-out to the fans to say, you know, good on you. Yeah. Uh, keep keep kind of, you know, make the team feel accountable to, to how they perform. Uh, that's a major role of the fan. Uh, and also, you know, keep using their word we. Um, own your, your <laughs> well, own your relationship with the team. I mean, you feel, if you feel emotionally invested in the team, Feel emotionally invested in the team. Say we, you know, we won. We. I think that is. I think that's important. 
I think it breeds a strong culture. I think it creates a better sense of camaraderie between the fans around you and the product on the ice and the players on the ice. Recognize that the people running the show are a business yeah. and don't really care about you, but that doesn't apply to the players in the same way. Yeah, They really do care about what the fans think. They really do want to entertain the fans. They want to give the fans wins. They want to win the Stanley Cup for themselves, but they want to win the Stanley Cup for the city and the people there. Yeah. Uh, so I'll, I think it's a good note for us to end the segment on to say, perfect, you know, yeah. good good on the fans for for demanding more and and not being satisfied. That's great. Uh, I think yeah. it's I think it's great. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, so really a pretty eventful year uh, for for uh, for the Predators. Uh, lots of lots of good moments. Lots of bad moments. Um, twenty twenty should be interesting. Uh, starts off with the. First ever outdoor game on January 1st. That's going to be a, a fun event. Um, we will definitely cover that one as well. Uh, before we conclude, we're not going to do the five-on-five five today. We're not going to do the dumbest thing in hockey. We'll get back to those uh, at the beginning of the year. But just on a personal note, some best moments for ourselves for this year. Um, I'll, I'll start, and I'll give you the, 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 the final word on this. But my best, my best moment actually has to do with hockey. And I uh, have started playing rec hockey. And it has been a lot of fun. Somebody scored a goal recently. I did. I Somebody scored, scored a goal. Is this scored, guy over here? I scored a big goal too. Oh, I'm pointing it. I'm pointing at Alex. <laughs> Not me. Uh, it was. It was awesome. It was. It was so much fun. I, I really enjoy the the team that I'm on. I think the guys are really great, and uh, it's been kind of a revelation. I, I played in high school a long time ago, and I just decided that I want to get back into it. Actually, uh, I have to give credit to. Uh, to Justin Bradford and uh, and Jeremy Gover for that because they they uh, they played a lot they they had they have a rec team obviously and they invited me to go to the the media game back in like September and I was like all right I think I can do this and so I did it and I was like wow I I I, I instantly was like kind of drawn back into that world and um, went and got all my gear and now I'm like you know I, I'm I'm just so into it now and it's a it's a lot of fun. Uh, it, it changes the way I watch the games again. Um, it changes the things I think about. And, um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not very good, but I want to get better and it's, it's fun. Well, playing now and again reminds you that whatever, what, what you see, what we see in the ice is so, so difficult. Yeah. <laughs> so difficult. And when, when like a guy like Philip Forsberg does something that makes you draw, draw, drop, you're just like, I couldn't do that if, yeah. like, you gave me a bunch of pylons and you gave me, like, a week. I could I never figure that yeah, out. Yeah, exactly, yeah. It, 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 he's one that's a good example. Him and, and Roman Yossi, too, is, like, when, uh, when you see someone with just— it's Because here's what separates most people from the, the game of hockey, and that's skating. I mean, it, if you cannot ice skate, you cannot play the game of hockey. And to see the way that these guys skate— that is just effort. I mean, they are so incredible with their edges, and they, they are so fast, and they can do literally every every angle that they cut with their skate is is like a a, um, a practiced move is is incredible. It, it's just so incredible to watch. And, and in addition to being incredible athletes, I mean, the the, the athletic part of it is almost secondary. It's like the skill is there, just top to bottom. It's it's amazing. So that's my best moment is is getting to play hockey again and, and really loving it. So. And yours? I think mine may be fairly obvious. Um, <laughs> I mean, I was like, when when Alex, you raised this before we getting started, I was like, oh, what is my, my best moment? And like, you just were kind of looking at me like, really? You're thinking about this right now? Um, and I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, I got engaged not like, what is it, maybe a month ago? 
I guess almost two months ago. Okay, October? Um, no, it was November... It was November 8th or just before. Okay. Um, so, I mean, almost two months, like two, a month and a half, something like that. There you go. So, I mean, that's, that's you know, that's obviously a very big deal. That's a big um, moment, yeah. It was, it was a long time coming. I mean, that was just about on our third year anniversary for, for dating. Um, and it's amazing we made it that far. When your first date is on election night 2016 and you're still <laughs> dating three years later... Uh, you you know you're you're in a solid relationship, or or you've just kind of like formed a bond out of fear, and have just sort of God, stayed amazing. together out of self preservation. That's um, I yeah. did not know that. <laughs> yeah. So um, you I mean you want a little history real quick? Yeah. Real so quick. yeah. So we went to we went to we met at Jackalope down okay. on I think it's on, the one on Eighth. I think it's on Eighth. Um, and this is oh they have two locations now that's why okay. I specified. Um, and then we walked from Jackalope to uh, Otaku Ramen. Uh, and then we kind of wanted to see what was happening with the election because we're both yeah. a little bit terrified. Um, so we're like, okay, is anything still open? The only thing open was Bar Louie, which you know <laughs> is like the most Isaac Cantina of, of like Gulch bars. Yeah. Um, and we literally just sat like in this bar for like an I don't know an hour two hours just like in utter horror and then I had to like walk her back to the to her car <laughs> was this a, oh, was man. this a planned date or was it just an incidental date uh, it, I mean no it was planned okay I, I, yeah I didn't know like, I mean we just we like... just had neither of us thought about it okay we gotcha. were just both happened to be free it yeah. worked for our schedule and we, and we were like gotcha oh should like should we be having a date on this night like <laughs> that's very should that that's crazy. should we be here uh, and so actually the, the funny thing, so the next year on our one year anniversary we actually repeated the date oh that's cool it was real nice and we're actually supposed to uh, uh, repeat it again um, I think probably it won't be until January probably just because uh, you know we feel like maybe now is an appropriate time to give it one more go that's good yeah that's a good uh, that's a good tradition um, so uh, or, great uh, so we, we both had some best moments we won't go into worst moments because I'm sure we all have worst moments but uh, you know let's it's the end of the year we'll talk about the good things um, that's gonna do it for our show today uh, we'll be back on our schedule um, have us down for January 5th we'll talk about that and make sure that's okay but uh, episode 6 will be uh, in January 2020 uh, you can check out plenty of hockey coverage at azsportsnational.com you can follow me on Twitter at AlexDarty1 follow Link on Twitter at 3DLink uh, any final thoughts? I hope everyone has a nice holiday season, and we're looking forward to doing shows in 2020. That's right. Closing out the decade with a, a little hockey and a little um, a little winter classic. It's going to be fun. All right. We'll see everyone later. Thank you.